The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast Quest Edition. Uh, with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Roberto Davis. Indeed. But we will not just be Patrick Lunn and Roberto Davis for today. We are donning a new mask, if you will. Uh, I'm taking up the role of Game Master for Rob, and he himself is taking up well, Rob, do you, do you have a name yet? No, this is the this is the only thing I've had trouble with. It's like coming <laughs> up with a name, and I've now just gone on a name generator because I've just I just don't know what to do. Anything that stands out? Um, I mean, when I say that I've just started doing that, I mean like literally as you were talking. Okay, I'll play for time then and explain a little bit about what we're going to be doing today. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, something that myself and Rob have wanted to do since the very, very first uh, Paranet podcast is a Dresden Files RPG campaign. Um, we're both really lucky and have a really good group of friends who are into tabletop gaming uh, that we play with regularly. Um, and some of them are going to be uh, appearing in this campaign. Um but we've been, we've, we need to dedicate a, a serious chunk of time to making this thing work. So uh, that's why we, we've had to wait until the Patreon came in and, and everything. And we're finally there. So uh, we did a little uh, a little taster for you guys, a little bonus episode where we talked a little bit about what a Dresden Files RPG quest uh, on Paranet might look like. Um, and... Um, we're we're kind of looking at doing like an episodic kind of thing, very similar to Dresden Files, where Rob's character will be the kind of Harry Dresden stand-in, going through various different cases, um, and the campaign itself uh, is going to be playing out across the whole of England, um, maybe maybe the whole of British Isles, we'll see, uh, but it's going to be focused on Rob. And then we're going to have a smattering of other characters. Uh, if Rob's Dresden, think like his Murphy, his Bob the Skull, his um, Billy the Werewolf. Uh, those are going to be played by our other RPG friends. Uh, so what are we going to be doing today? Well, we're going to be doing character creation. So uh, we're going to be using the... Uh, so there's two types of Dresden Files RPG that you can follow. There's Dresden Files Accelerated, and then there's just the base book. I believe that the base book is now out of print. However, you can still get your hands on it fairly easily through uh, YouTube. Uh, not YouTube, goodness. Uh, through eBay uh, and even through Amazon, I believe, uh, for some of the volumes at least. So there's three volumes. There's uh, Our World, Your Story and the Paranet Papers. Uh, I'm very lucky and have all three to hand. Uh, so we've got everything that we need to kind of get crack-a-lacking. Um, so uh, the way that uh, the Justin Files RPG works, uh, if you're familiar with Dungeons & Dragons, uh, it's a similar sort of idea. You create a character, you create several characters, uh, you go and 
uh, deal with all of these uh, fantastical threats. Uh, you level up, you get experience points, uh, you make yourself more powerful, um, you find magical artifacts and items um, to deal with things, uh, you deal with puzzles, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's a little bit different to uh, perhaps a, a D and D if you if you watch something like Critical Role. Um, it's uh, based around what's called the Fate System, which is essentially uh, rolling a set of dice that have pluses, minuses, and nothing on them. So uh, you roll them, you see how many pluses you get. Uh, you take away however many minuses you get. Then that gives you a, a rating of success, uh, and then you're able to apply. Um, any bonuses that your character has. So that might be the number of skills that your character has that are relevant to the situation, um, or it might be something that's going on in the area. So, for instance, if you are fighting um, a water elemental um, near a sparking uh, wire, you can say you drive the sparking wire into the water elemental, and that'll give you uh, either an extra plus or another couple of dice to roll to see how uh, better or worse you do. Uh, so it's quite straightforward. Um, so character creation is all about uh, working out a little bit of your background, uh, previous quests that you might have been on before the main story, um, connection to other characters, connection to the world, uh, and then assigning some special abilities and powers and such. Um, so uh, yeah, we're going to start character creation for Rob, and I think you've got a you've got a name now, haven't you, Rob? Uh, yeah, I sent it to you in the chat while you were talking. I have seen. And I also ran upstairs to go get the uh, core book, so I'm very out of breath. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, so come on, hit me with it. Yeah, so I've gone with the most average sounding name that I could find, because you know, being a creative writer, having a degree in that means that you know, I should be creative, but I, I'm really not. Um, so the name we've gone for is John Graham, which sounds like a really old man, but it also feels really average to me. So, and if your name's John Graham and I've just called you like average sounding, I I apologise. <laughs> yeah, no offence to the John Graham out there. <laughs> I'm sure you're a nice person, but <laughs> so um what we're gonna do uh with old uh Johnny G uh J G Graham. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> J G Ram. That works. Um uh so we have to work out a couple of things first. Uh, uh, set the power level for the campaign. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be following uh John Graham right through his life. So uh, we're going to be kicking off with um, there's four different power levels. So I'll I'll give that first. So there's four different parallel parallels. You've got feet in the water, which is uh the part of just starting off your supernatural life. Uh. Not as much um, power as you would uh, later, um, but then more humanity uh, as well. So you're just starting to to understand the world. Then you've got up to your waist, uh, which is 
um, a little bit better. Uh, some kind of you got some mid-level talents, um, and you're fighting stuff that you're regularly fighting the supernatural. Then you've got chest deep. Uh, so at this point, uh, you're pay- playing with minor league powers. Um, you can uh, you're kind of like uh, a white council wizard or a white court vampire sort of level. And then the submerged, which is you're a major leaguer. Uh, you're ready to start dealing with like god level powers and really, really be going at the, the toughest sort of stuff. Um, so what we're going to do for Rob's first adventure um, as John Graham, uh, we're going to be going for feet in the water, which is the lowest skill set. Um, so, I don't think you need to put it on your character yet, what level you're at. Uh, no, you don't. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to be going for Feet in the Water. So what that means is that you get a 6 refresh, 20 skill points, and your skills are capped at great. Uh, typical characters that might include, uh, that might be included in a Feet in the Water campaign are Focus Practitioners, Lycanthropes, Minor Talents, Red Court Infected, True Believers, Weak wear forms, white court virgins, uh, and some base templates that are technically affordable but you'll seem pretty weak uh, are champions of God, changelings, emissaries of power, and fairy court knights. Um, so, the first thing that we do, uh, Rob, is we pick a template for your character. So, we talked a little bit around uh, the idea that he might be someone that wields. Uh, Excalibur or have like a connection to the Knights of the Round Table? Is that still the direction that you're thinking of going? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's been a tough one because when when we first started planning this out, I was looking at all the different options and all of them sounded really good and sounded like they had their own unique like aspect to bring to the table. Um, and initially I was thinking like an Emissary of Power and then I was thinking Changeling. Then like one of the uh, wear forms, and then wizard. And in all honesty, I, I still haven't a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not what you want to hear, I'm sure. But I mean, I'm thinking, for, for the sake of drama, I was thinking maybe I Emissary of Power would be a good one to kind of go with. Because, and if I remember right, I've I've not found the page in the book yet, but Emissary of Power is kind of similar to Dresden and Elaine's role in uh, Summer Night, where yeah. they're kind of acting on behalf of the courts and stuff like that. And I feel we'll find a, a reason for why John Graham has been chosen as the emissary, but it's it's a I just thought it'd be a good way to kind of break into that supernatural world. Yeah, definitely. Uh, emissaries are mortals who've been saddled with a burden of great power and great responsibility. They're one of the big dogs in the supernatural community. Vast powers from fairy or the outer reach of the never Nether, One of the true dragons or something stranger. Emissaries of power are often the bearers of items of great potency, able to tap into the power of their patron and bring it to bear on their and their patron's behalf. Such champions are usually more victim than anything, though powers such as theirs come at the price of dark bargains, be it a lifetime of thankless servitude and sacrifice their eternal soul or other petty things. 
so yeah, I think that is great. Um, so I'm thinking that we get a dragon involved. Oh yes, yes please. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the great things about this is that um, the Dresden Files game encourages you uh, to go and have a look at um, various kind of folklore bits um, and and such. Um, so I'm just having a quick look at Arthurian dragons. Um, so... Having uh, so, um, it appears that uh, the there were several stories, particularly of Merlin dealing with dragons. Mm. Um, but I can't really find a name right now. Um, so uh, it said that there are uh, there is a red and a white dragon that Merlin encountered, battling one another. Um, so I think we've got Ferravax, obviously, in the Dresden Files. Um, but I think there could be other ancient dragons. Um, yeah, I don't see why not. So I'm thinking... Maybe there's a dragon that Ferravax isn't aware of. Uh, that is based in Britain and maybe is kind of standing to the side a little bit um and it's acting through felix so uh in that case i'm just having a look at uh, a couple of different names um but i think we're gonna go with cadmus Oh, uh, which is uh, Greek meaning dragon teeth. I like um, it. So I think uh, you're going to be given power by the dragon Cadmus. Uh, and we are going to say that, that is a red dragon that Merlin himself encountered many, many years ago. Nice. Uh, nice. So... With that kind of in the in the bank, um, we'll work out. So it says here that we should work out the terms of your agreement with your great power. I think that's actually going to come from role play. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the best way. Yeah. Um, so we'll leave that one to a side. Um, so that that gives us uh, your first bit to fill in. Uh, so you've got your player name, character, and now you've got your template, which is emissary of power. Yep. Okay. So uh, high concept aspect. So this is essentially uh, it allows you to sum up uh, who you are in a couple of words, who your character is in a couple of words. And this is something that you can keep coming back to. So, um, for you, uh, in your must area, 
So yep. uh, a must is like what you have to have within your em uh, within your high concept. An emissary power must have a high concept that speaks to the bargain or pact they have made. So uh, this might be last champion of autumn or Ferravax's toady, for instance. <laughs> What's a um, toady? I think it's like a goon. Ah. Uh. Fair enough. It just, just toady doesn't sound very pleasant. Goon's goon's a much warmer word. It is. Um. So I think uh maybe something around the idea of like uh knight of Cadmus. Yeah. Am I filling this out in the must or the high concept? Aspect. Uh, this would be a high concept. Must, yeah. You don't need to, You don't really need to fill out must, to be honest. Cool, cool, uh, cool. It's just that uh, it's telling you what you need to do for your high concept. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So Knight of Cadmus, I think, is a good one. Cool. That's done. Um. Okay. Uh. So the next thing that we look at uh is do do do. Uh. There's a lot of jumping around the book for this bit um that's fine that's kind of the issue i had when i was trying to do some prep recently it's like it's not all on one page or one page after another it's like jumping from page 20 to 70 to 100 and then back to 20 it really is it really <laughs> is um so you've got your template you've got your high concept uh we got so that was the high concept aspect we've done that uh, so now he's come up with trouble. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in addition to a high concept, every character has some sort of trouble, which is also an aspect that's part of his life and his story. If your high concept is what or who your character is, your trouble is the answer to the simple question, what complicates your character's high concept? Trouble has many forms, though it can be generally broken up into two types, internal conflicts and personal struggles, and external problems. Both threaten the character or are difficult to contain. Whatever form the trouble takes, it drives the character to take action, voluntarily or not. A character that does not have some sort of recurring issue is going to have a much harder time finding motivation, and that sort of character doesn't tend to have many reasons to get... Uh, doesn't have many reasons to go out and do crazy things uh, that make for adventure. Without adventure, things would just be boring. Most characters have several troubles they have to deal with, which are oft uh, often reflected by the rest of their aspects, which you'll select as you create your character. But there is usually one core trouble that shapes the character. This aspect will probably be the one most thoroughly exercised during play. Trouble is a potent hook for the GM and players to focus on for ideas. As you think about your character, try to figure out what kinds of problems you want your character to continually deal with. Try to pick one that has no easy solution. Uh, many may not have a solution at all. All troubles are one of the major ways that characters get compelled, which is important for getting fate points back. So it's to your advantage to play into your character's troubles in the adventure as much as you can. Troubles are like giant red flags to the GM saying, hey, pick on me. Um, <laughs> so, a uh, couple of troubles that you might have. Um, so Murphy's trouble, uh, is un unbelieving bureaucracy. Uh, so 
this is an external trouble that has no easy solution because uh, it's not something she can fix by kicking ass and taking names. Harry's trouble is the temptation of power. Again, no easy solution. It's ongoing, internal and external, with minor victories and defeats all the way throughout his career. Uh, Michael's trouble is family man. Uh, there's, it's a great uh, aspect to him, but it's also uh, means that he has always got to put his family first. Uh, Thomas Wraith has true love in my family's hands, uh, meaning that uh, to kind of have a, a loving relationship, well, his family have a lot of uh, dealings with that, and also his condition makes issues uh, makes further issues for him. Uh, Molly Carpenter has the Doom of Damocles, um, which is the threat of the White Council always hanging over her. Um, so what are you thinking, Rob? I don't know. I, I'm trying to decide if it's something we should tie to the Knight of Cadmus thing or have it more of a personality trait. Um, so I'm actually thinking, the because the, the way that this character creation goes, we actually go through your first, your first story in character creation. So... Okay. Um, I'm thinking that maybe, maybe we we talk a little bit more about what Cadmus, his background, before we get into this. Okay. So, um, I I really like the idea of him starting out in Winchester. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I've I think in terms of um, John Graham's background, I was thinking, I mean, it's it feels like an obvious one because we're setting it in Winchester, but kind of basing it more on us as students so I, I was literally just going with that they're a student at the university or or they're at the university in some kind of capacity whether that's student or staff yeah i'm wondering if maybe uh started out as a student and when we join them they they've rejoined as a researcher yeah that's kind of what i was thinking um so for like your first your first big story uh would have been discovering cadmus um and i kind of like the idea that he's based in the crypts beneath winchester cathedral <laughs> i like that i was thinking that or like uh is it wolvesy castle yeah like where it's just like the remains of a castle like just either of those sounded really cool I mean, oh man, I, I love underneath Winch in Winchester Cathedral, but I, I do also love the castle. I mean, we, we do have a slight advantage with Winchester with the round table being there and all that kind of stuff. Like the whole Alfred the Great and the King Arthur legend as well is kind of set yeah. within the city. Um, I think, uh, and, and, and obviously if any of this, if you're not sure on this, then... Um, so I think kind of uh, your first story, John's first story, was probably um, some sort of minor supernatural threat that wanted something from Cadmus's horde, his like draconic horde, mm. uh, or to steal from him. Um, and maybe you were researching the that item um as part of your your degree and you worked out that it might be in the crypts of winchester cathedral 
uh, and while looking for it, you actually accidentally beat the supernatural power to the punch, uh, and you found the Horde of Cadmus and Cadmus himself in the crypts of Winchester Cathedral. Um, and for doing so, and for doing it without looking to steal from the Horde, Cadmus made you his emissary of power and then your first big fight was protecting the draconic horde from an outside evil force sounds good to me okay i think we've got something there so that's one side of it the other side is so after that people probably left winchester like students left uh your friends and stuff moved on um and you've come back as a research assistant um maybe there's something around like duty um or that like the magical side of life gets in the way of the human side of life i don't know what do you think yeah i'm feeling uh duty i suppose because i suppose if he's now got a link with uh cadmus it makes sense for him to stay or stick around yeah so even like you could even pull it in a even though he doesn't understand why he's just kind of drawn to staying in the area as opposed to understanding what's going on okay uh so if we say like uh, I kind of like the idea that, like, yeah, like, he, like, John's tried several times to sort out, like, a, a house in Wolverhampton or uh, Nottingham or something, and the, every time the mortgage falls through, uh, <laughs> or, like, he applies for a job and then the company goes bust before he can start working there, and it's just, like, Cadmus... Uh, is like pulling fate just slightly to keep John in place. Yeah. Um, so, so if we say like, uh, uh, draconic duty or something like that for your yeah, I think that's a good trouble. Word. Yeah, I'll put that in. So now we go through the phases of your life. Uh, it's this is this gets quite deep in in its own way. Um, so uh, background. Uh, so we we kind of just talk through this, and I think what we just talked about is going to help a lot here. So um, this is about like uh, what nation, region, culture are you from? What were your family circumstances like? What's your relationship with your family? How much were you educated? What were your friends like? Did you get into trouble much? If you're supernatural, how early did you learn this? Were there problems? So um, I think what we want to pull out here really is that normal life up to being a student. Um, yeah. Um, I know, because up until the point where we really start, I just wanted them to be... Like, there's nothing special about them. They're just completely average. Like, normal kind of, you know, what we do in our day-to-day. We work, uh, eat, sleep, repeat. Yeah. Like, there's nothing 
extraordinary about it. Yeah, by all means. Uh, I mean, do you want to... Um, what do you see John's family life being like? Just a very normal family? Yeah, like... <laughs> like... Like, honestly, when I when I when I say this, it's it's literally he is the most boring person put to paper. I'm, like, I'm cool with that. Like like this whole thing is just one massive call to adventure, I guess, for him. Like I I I guess if I'd compare at the moment, it would be uh, Bilbo Baggins at the start of the Hobbit. Yeah. Okay. Like there's so... just nothing. He's just kind of there, just like this is my life. This is what I do. That's all I need. Yeah, so if we say that he came from, I don't know, Egham. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, why not? Uh, so, yeah, uh, just uh, small, the small uh, town of Egham, where not much really happens. Uh, and... Um, what did he study at university? Like, the, the, here's the tricky thing, because I feel, given the, the location, given the dragon, that it should be, like, medieval studies, but I don't know shit about medieval studies. and I, I'm, I'm scared someone's going to call us out on it, so maybe just English lit. Okay, yeah. And then, like... When when he's when he's doing the research assistant thing, it's more based with medieval studies, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So, uh. It, well, it, I mean, we know what what crazy writing and, and English courses are like. Uh, it could be that you decided that you wanted to write something in like an Arthurian legend, and then started doing some research around it. Yeah, that uh, works. So so yeah so uh came from came from Egham uh turned up in Winchester uh studied um English lit um and and was researching like Arthurian legends and stuff um so I guess phase aspect here um so we have to come up with like a couple of words to describe this I would say like uh, like ord- ordinary student, something like that. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. Average yeah. Joe. Average average Joe works really well, actually. Yeah. So what this means is that you can any time that we're in a situation where being an average Joe could be useful, like blending into a crowd or like pretending that things are normal. Uh, hmm. You can bring this up and draw from your past of being boring to just be boring. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, so what shaped you? So this is, who are the prominent people in your life at this point? Do you have enemies, uh, close and fast friends? How did your high concepts and trouble aspect shape the events around you? What were the most significant choices you made? What lessons did you learn? So I think this this kind of comes from your first adventure. Yeah. Um, and uh, so obviously Cadmus is someone who shaped you. Um, but I also think your villain will be someone who shaped you. So um, I've got a couple of villains that um, 
we're going to talk about as we get a bit further into campaign prep. We might do that in this session, or we might do it in the next uh, next one that we do. Um, I'm going to give you the choice, Rob, okay. um, of three different enemies that you that could have been the bad uh, the bad guys in your first venture. Um, so the first one is a group of lycanthropes um, that call themselves the Wild Pack. Um, <laughs> Such a like Chad group. Oh man, um, my! <laughs> you know what? I, I I'm not going to tell you too much about the Wild Pack unless you choose them, and then I'll tell you a bit more about them. Okay. Uh, but uh so that so you've got the wild pack then you've got um a a proper uh grimmer worm tongue uh sort of sniveling um wizard that couldn't make the break into um the white council oh. uh, um and uh he is well we'll leave it we'll leave it at that for now um and then your final choice is a, a pair of white court vampires um that run a series of different kind of operations um essentially uh around kind of sex trade uh around like southampton and when and uh london man those are some really good options to be fair <laughs> um so who do you think would be the first one that you'd want to come across and these are kind of going to be recurring nemeses yeah um honestly i'm, I'm thinking the one that fits in in my head at least better with the whole cadmus stuff is probably the wizard for the moment. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm just making some notes. Cool. Uh, as we go. Um, so this is going to be uh, very much like you. Uh, a very very plain name <laughs> uh and uh this is going to be tim spencer brilliant <laughs> fucking brilliant uh the sniveling wizard that almost made it into the white council but failed at the last to prove his power perhaps struggling under the pressure of the of the wardens he was unable to bring power to bear um tim spencer is um a uh i i think while you were a student um tim was perhaps a lecturer uh in the history and archaeology department um you uh, beat Tim to finding the Draconic Horde. He was perhaps looking for some of Cadmus's power. Um, you found it first, uh, and with that, 
you also found that um, a lot of Tim's research didn't have any evidence behind it. Uh, it was stuff that he divined through contact with demons and devils and other uh, fey creatures and such. And when you actually started to look at the research, you were able to disprove a lot of it. And you showed that to the senior members of the university and essentially had Tim fired. Shit. Uh, since then, you have not seen anything of Tim. He has dropped off the map completely. Um, so... So you've got Tim and you've got Cadmus. Um, so these are prominent people that you've dealt with. Um, significant choice. You, you took up uh, Cadmus's, um, uh, uh, as Cadmus's knight. Um, do you see uh, John having a weapon? Now, this is what I'm not sure of, because I'm not sure if that's something that would get developed as we roleplay. Mm. But, I mean, eventually, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know how the whole emissary of power of a dragon would work. Whether, like, it would allow him to manifest a weapon or some kind of ability to protect himself, or... I... I have an idea that's maybe a little bit cheesy, but what about you have a, you have a pen that is truly mightier than the sword, <laughs> uh, and you're able to click it, and then it becomes a golden sword. I mean, that is cheesy, but I do like it. <laughs> um. So I'm thinking that, that you were given like a golden pen by Cadmus and perhaps maybe you're able to sign on behalf of Cadmus onto treaties and stuff using yeah. the pen. Um, so, uh, so you've got the pen. Uh, so we need an aspect for this kind of phase of your life. So I think... Um, most people, it's taking up the sword. Uh, how about we have taking up the pen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, your first adventure. Uh, so we kind of got this. Uh, so this is the defeat of Tim uh, uh, beneath Winchester Cathedral. We need to give it a good title. Do you have any ideas? Um, my mind instantly went to rumble in the jungle, but I know that doesn't work. <laughs> um, how about Tale of the No wait, Tales of the Crypt, but Tale of the Crypt where it's like tail is in an animal's tail because dragon and dragons have tails. Yeah, I'm up for Tale of the Crypt. <laughs> cool. Um, so guest starring will actually fill in later as we get our guests on. Um. But I think at least one of our guests is going to be playing someone that you knew at Winchester, so that makes sense. Uh, so they were they perhaps were a background character during this. Um, but I was also thinking that um, there is going to be an NPC. Yeah. Uh, that um, 
perhaps was a bit of a mentor figure to you, another lecturer, um, who has some vague knowledge of some supernatural stuff, but not he hasn't got the full picture. Um, he's been kind. He's kind of uh, a bit of a weird outcast with a <laughs> bit of knowledge around the occult. Um, now, and I, I don't know about you, but I got a lecturer in mind for this. I I very much have a lecturer as well in mind. <laughs> Should we see if I, we have the same person? I, I will message it to you because I don't think we should say anyone's name on. on no, air. I I uh, agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Despite yeah. having Tim Spencer, I mean, I know we've changed some of the name. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. Um. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, uh, we we are we are thinking of some. Uh, well, you're thinking of, of someone better, I think, actually. Um, so yeah, um, there's going to be a lecturer uh, that you kind of make a connection with uh, that knows a little bit about the supernatural world, um, and I think for that uh, we're going to go with. Uh, I think maybe a female lecturer. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Um, so I'm thinking uh, Gwen. Um, and then as a surname, uh, let's go. Let's go, Gwen Lawrence. Okay. Um. So. Uh, that's going to be in, in your guest starring. Uh, and then your aspect from this phase uh, is going to be, I mean, it was your first triumph. So I think, um, uh, shall, we, shall we say champion of Winchester? Yeah, may as Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whose path have you crossed? Um, we'll do one of these with NPCs and we'll leave one open for when we have some other PCs. Uh, so, uh, whose path have you crossed? What you're supposed to do here is come up with a story that you previously had with other characters. Um, so, I think I'm going to bring the, the wild pack back. Yeah. Um, I think you've dealt with the wild pack um now they were going under the guise of a secretive um S&M and furry community in Winchester <laughs> uh, however um they are actually a group of uh lycanthropes um that um are kind of um they have like like the hexen wolves where they put on like a belt yeah. uh when these uh when these furries put on their fursonas they actually become those animals <laughs> i mean that's completely ridiculous but also kind of cool 
Um, and then they, uh, they are, for all intents and purposes of gang, they have been like muscling on uh, various places for kind of like protection money and stuff. Um, but they're also about exposing like uh, heavily right wing, heavily conservative members of the community. Um, especially if they're like anti LGBT or anti like environmental, uh, the wild pack come after them, uh, in their like, um, lycanthropic fursonas. <laughs> I just like that you called it fursona. <laughs> um, I, I like what I'm imagining is, um, just like. This huge, um, like, vibrant uh, blue, black, uh, like a black bear, but in vibrant blue color, because that's the color of the the, the costume, uh, <laughs> just like running through the streets after like the mayor of Winchester. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see it happening. That's the weird thing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so uh, you cross the wild pack, um, and uh, I think that, that that story title should be Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I'm imagining that maybe, maybe like, um, <laughs> maybe you went undercover uh, and went to like a wild pack party or something. Um, and uh, while you may sympathise with some of their political agenda you also realise that they are killing people to to do this um, so uh, I think um, what you found from this kind of story maybe was uh, a better sense of justice justice mm. and the American way um, unless you have another idea. No, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, so if we say, like, um, how do you want to define your sense of justice for your aspect? I... Oh shit. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe, like, uh... <clears throat> You have like the law, the law of the blade, maybe like the law of the pen, or you could do like um, sense of right, or something like that. It doesn't have to be too, uh, it doesn't have to be too slick. Yeah, we'll just go with um, maybe sense of right. Okay, that's cool. But I'm gonna spell it on the sheet as right as in, you know, writing. Yes. Because like um, Cool. And then uh, phase five, which would be who else passed, uh, paths have you crossed? Uh, we're not going to uh, go into them yet. So I, I see the wild pack are kind of like um, anti-heroes almost. Like you, you, you see some possible um, connection to them, uh, but you just, uh, you haven't like, um, but you you you're not into like the fact that they kill and shit like like Spider-Man teaming up with Punisher sort of deal. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I'm just looking at some fursona names uh, <laughs> for um, for like maybe who your like connection is there. Uh, maybe someone like that doesn't kill as much. Um, there are lots of rules for making your fursona name. That is very okay. Um, okay, you are um, you are on good terms with um, a horse fursona. Uh, called Low Hoof Big Plumes. Man, I'm gonna forget that. Um, we'll just go with Low Hoof. Am I putting this in the uh, guest star? Uh, yeah. Phase five. Low Hoof. As a horse, uh, Low Hoof is generally unable to kill people, um, but does a lot of scouting and stuff. Um, uh, in horse form, Low Hoof is a rainbow horse. <clears throat> Nice. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, a rainbow horse could could come in use. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm just seeing if there is a rainbow horse for Sona out there. there there's gotta be, hasn't there? Um. Oh, there's many. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> more than I thought they'd be I'm going to show you a picture of uh, what I think uh, Low Hoof maybe looks like um, I'll share this on, on our Discord as well Oh, I quite yeah. like that it's very uh, I'm, I'm definitely getting Bojack Horseman vibes when I probably shouldn't be <laughs> I think it's just the way that the uh, horse's eyes are. Famous Winchester. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm low hoof, big plume. Don't you remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, cool. I've just posted that to our Discord, so they're gonna have no idea yet why that why that means anything to anyone. But there you go. Um, so that's <laughs> low hoof. Um, so that that's your background done. Uh, so now we just need to get into some of your uh, mechanical bits. Nice. Uh, so uh, you do uh, character. Um, that's gonna be John Graham. Yeah, um, I think yeah. I think it's automatically filled out some of the stuff we've already done. So character, high concept, trouble, uh, oh, other shit. aspects. I know. That, I thought so too. Yeah, that that's more than I expected it to do. Uh, okay, so uh, we've done your uh, we've done your high concept, we've done your trouble, we've done your name, uh, we've done your aspects. So now we've just got to finish your character up. Uh, so we've got to assign your skills. So you get 20 skill points. 20 oh, skill points, Mr. Potter. Um, 
So, uh, you can choose uh, to be uh, uh, average, fair, good, great, or superb um, in as many skills as you want. So, finishing up your character. Skills. Once you have mapped out your character's phases and chosen aspects, it's time to pick your skills, which are detailed in their own chapter on page 120. We'll do that in a second. It's like reading that Goosebook book again. Um, depending on your power level, a character will spend between 20 and 35 skill points. Uh, mediocre is the default for any skill uh, mm. that you do not buy. You may not buy any skills at a level higher than the skill cap, so you can go up to great, which is four points. In addition, you cannot have more skills at any level than you have one level down from that. So if you buy a fair skill for two points, you need to have at least one average skill as well for one point. This cascades as you go further up. In order to have one superb skill, you need to have at least one great, one good, one fair, and one average. Think of skill ranks as building blocks stacked atop of one another, each level representing a rank. Each block needs to needs one below it to support it. Uh, and then it gives you like a diagram. Um, so basically what this means is that you can choose to have more skills that you are all right at. Yeah. Um, or you can have a couple of skills that you're really good at. What would you prefer? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm looking at them now and I'm thinking, I think in having more that you're just kind of averaging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think out of interest? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, a good mix is probably right for your character because you're going to be the main character, so you're probably going to be doing a lot of different things. Yeah. That's so, kind of my thinking. Um, yeah, so they have uh, what they call skill packages here. So you get one skill that you're great at, two that you're good at, three that you're fair at, and ten that you're, um, four that you're average at for a total of ten skills. Blimey. Um, cool. I think that that might be a good way to do it. Um, so let me just go to page 120. Whew. Uh, I mean, this first Dresden book is a 400-page book. Uh, it is huge to get it's around. Not, it's not exactly a light read, is it? No. Um, <laughs> it's... It, it's a tough one to get through, and I feel like I've played a lot of RPGs that are much more streamlined. Um, yeah. But this has that beautiful Dresden flavor. Flavor, so, baby. Flavor. Um, Okie doke. So, uh, skills. Skills, skills, skilly skills, skills. Uh, so... Uh, here are all the skills you can have. You've got alertness, athletics, burglary, contacts, conviction, craftsmanship, deceit, discipline, driving, empathy, endurance, fists, guns, intimidation, investigation, law, might, performance, presence, report, uh, resources, scholarship, Stealth, survival, and weapons. 
so first of all, what do you want to be really good at? Like, I mean, straight off the bat, in terms of what he's really good at, I would probably go with... Where have they gone? Like, the, the three that come to mind here are probably scholarship, uh, discipline, or law. Okay. So, uh, that works quite well, because you can put... Uh, I would probably go with scholarship as your great, as yeah. your four. Uh, so if you put that in the great section, uh, scholarship, and then yeah. I would do, yeah, discipline and law as your uh, next step down, which I believe is good. good. Yep. Uh, and then you're going to get three choices of fair. So um, I think athletics should probably be in there. Yeah, for for fair, I was thinking athletics and maybe mm, something that kind of fits. I mean, if he's already picked up the um pen sword thing, I was thinking maybe weapons, but I don't know if that's too. Hmm. Yeah, I I think you've probably been training since your your early fights, so I'd take that. Yeah. I mean, with uh... athletics, it was either going to be a case of athletics or stealth, like the whole idea of him being like just your average guy I, I just imagine that having him hide or blending it like you said earlier blending in with a crowd would probably be a lot easier yeah well maybe he's not um maybe he's not that uh fast on his feet he's just good at staying out of the way yeah that's that's an interesting different take on it um so yeah Stealth so and weapons Stealth and weapons, and you you get one more as well. So a couple that might be worth considering. Um, craftsmanship, maybe, if you want to build some things. Yeah. Uh, driving, so that you have, you have access to a car and can do that. Um, endurance, just in, in terms of taking punishment, might be good. Um, intimidation maybe investigation could be good for you Um, and then rapport could be good for building relationships and stuff resources, buying things getting equipment, that sort of thing Um, yeah yeah, those are the ones that I immediately go like oh I think those might be worth it yeah my my go to there was going to be um Either investigation or dry or no endurance. Investigation or endurance. Yeah, I think endurance is probably good. Keep you keep you standing while everything's going crazy. Uh, if you can hear some noise in the background, I'm just plugging my computer in. <laughs> That's fine. Um, cool, I've gone with endurance. Okay, cool. Uh, so then you get four things that you are. Um, uh, average app, or uh, no, above average, sorry. Uh, oh, no, no, it is just average. You just get a plus one. Yeah. Uh, so, driving, maybe? Yeah, go driving. So you can get yourself around. Um, presence for a bit of charisma could be good. 
yeah. it's up to you. Uh, burglary, if you want to play on that stealth aspect, um, might be interesting. Um, Maybe investigation. investigation. Invest I've put in driving presence, investigation, and burglary. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Burglary. Yeah. He's a burglar. <laughs> He's not a burglar. Doesn't look anything like one. Mm. Uh, um... <laughs> okay, so just jumping back down to... Uh... There's a surprising amount of art depicting white court vampires making out with people in this book. I've noticed it's quite... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you've got a white court character, it's kind of their thing. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I would be a slightly suspicious of anyone that wants to play a white court character. I mean, I'm expecting it at some point from someone, if we're having guests oh, in here. Certainly. Um, but I am going to be suspicious of them. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, then we get to go to page 66 uh, for skills and stunts. So this is going to be where you're going to get some power. Unlimited power. Unlimited power. So, stunts allow you to use your skills in ways that go beyond the typical skill rules. They're discussed in full Immortal Stunts 146. You should usually choose your stunts that are associated with your character's supernatural powers or most highly ranked skills. That said, you can take stunts tied to any skill, even one less at default, if you want, provided you meet the, uh, any of the prerequisites. Each stunt you take reduces your character's refresh level by one. In general, a character with a non-supernatural high concept should consider spending half to uh, close to half of his refresh allotment on stunts. Non-supernatural characters who want to go beyond that point tend to have made a lot of compromises and sacrifices to who they are for example John Marcone uh, so choosing powers powers are similar to stunts but far more potent because that some powers cost more than one point of your refresh level you can read all about them in supernatural powers 158 you must take all the powers that are mandatory for your character template your, uh, for the character template you're using so make sure you have those figured out after that you may take Powers that fit your character template and the high concept selected by your character. Okay, so first need to check your character template. Oh man, this it is it's tough to get through all this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, your refresh cost. Uh, so currently you have a refresh of six. Uh, you can drop that down to uh, minus one. Uh, you can go as far as minus one uh, on your refresh, but you probably don't want to. You probably want to go to about three. Okay. Uh, refresh is um, you get like f extra dice that you can apply to any situation uh, at the start of each new campaign. So um, you're going to want a couple of dice that you can do that with. Yeah. Um, so uh, options. No two emissaries are... Oh, okay. So, uh, in addition, the emissary must take marked by power. Um, so that is 
a that's a minus one. Uh, oh no, sorry, I misread this. So you can only go down to zero. Um, but minus ones actually give you extra uh, refresh points. So you've got six refresh points. You can now go up to seven refresh points, and you take marked by power, which will go in your stunts and powers section. Okay, marked by power, was that, sorry? Yep, and then in cost, just put minus one. Cool. So no two emissaries are alike. Many of the abilities in the supernatural powers are negotiably available, assuming you can afford the refresh cost and match the theme and nature of the emissary's supernatural patron. If the patron is in some way a mystery to the character, the powers taken may offer a hint. Often, some of these powers are essentially uh, contained within an item of power. You might also want to take a look at sponsored magic as an option. If you pick some kind of spellcasting ability, make sure to investigate building a practitioner on page 77. Important skills varies uh, from the case files. It's hard to pin uh, case files. It's hard to pin down a specific example that isn't represented by another template here, i.e., the champions of gods or the fairy courts. But the fact remains that these types of individuals must exist in the supernatural landscape. Okay, so uh, we've got to go through a bunch of stuff. Uh, so skip advancement because obviously we're not there yet. Um, uh, character aspects we've done. Uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, just trying to make some sort of good radio out of this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm just also sifting through the book and looking at the character sheet. Yeah. It's gotten to a point where my head's starting to hurt, so... I don't think we've got too much left, at least. No, I mean, looking at the sheet, I'm I'm thinking that maybe, like, the like city sheet stuff is probably something to do next time. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be something for me to put out next time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so, uh, so you can have mortal stunts, which are stuff that you're talented in. For instance, uh, if you're talented in athletics, you could have uh, acrobat, fleet of foot, human spider, mighty leap, and too fast to hit, which all give you various buffs. Uh, are there any skill-based abilities that you want to look at, or do you want to look at the magic ones first and then go back to this? Oh, uh, if, if we go to the magic ones first, just because I imagine pumping up some of the stuff relevant to the emissary of power is probably a good idea. Yeah. No worries. Okay, so the way that costs are written here is really strange. So minuses uh, are taken away from your total. So you've got five left. You had to have, you had to take mark by power. Um. Which I'm now trying to find on this list, but there's a lot. Uh, so you've got f you've got five points left. Um, so stuff that you can pick up if you would like. Uh, we've got creature features. Um, so these abilities are all about the nastiness 
found in a number of deadly beasts in the Dresden verse. Uh, but you could take any of these if you wished. Uh, so addictive saliva, um, aquatic breath weapon. Now that could be interesting for you with like the dragon yeah. background. Uh, claws again could be could go that way. Uh, diminutive size. I don't think you're gonna want that. Uh, echoes of the beast. So this is for shape shifting. Uh, hulking size. So you're able to so you're big. Um, living dead. Uh, pack instinct, spider war, supernatural sense, wings, uh, then fairy magic. You're not really going to have anything up from the fairy magic tree. Uh, items of power. So um, I think this is probably what we should go with uh, yeah. and, and get, your, get the pen done with that. So uh, items of power. Uh, you get uh, two refresh points extra that you can then put extra abilities onto your items of power okay uh, right so the way it works is that uh so you've got your your item uh and it is what it is um and then you will get some extra abilities. So first thing, the item of power is unbreakable. It cannot be broken. Save that. Uh, save through dedicated magical ritual uh, predicated upon perverting its purpose. How this manifests may vary. Then you've got impart abilities. Choose a set of abilities that are imbued within and imparted by the item of power. Take these abilities normally, recording their refresh rate and noting that they're part of the item. Abilities outside of the minor abilities, strength, toughness, and speed categories must be examined closely by the GM, but may be disallowed. Simply possessing the item of power is not enough to use the abilities. Rules must be followed, bargains must be made. Da, 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 da. Uh, so, uh, stuff that you could go for. Um, I think Breath Weapon would be pretty cool. Well, yeah, I, I feel that makes a lot of sense. So, um, so breath weapon is a minus two. The, the pen gives you a plus two, so that's a zero sum. But then we need to add a bit more. So let's give you, let's have a look at some other stuff. So you got marked by power already. Uh, so that gives you an aegis of respect, which means that people will respect you. Um, there is uh, never never powers. Nah. Psychic abilities, nah. Yeah. Um, uh, shifting flesh mask, no. Uh, speed, speed. Uh, visa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you could have the sword make you faster. Uh. Um, yeah. You could have inhuman speed. Uh, that might be uh, that might be good for you. Um, you could have it make you stronger and give you inhuman strength, uh, or you could have it make you more tough and durable. Um, which of those kind of appeals to you? I'm thinking the tough, durable might be a yeah. good option. Okay, that's cool. Do you want to be so you can have inhuman recovery or inhuman toughness? 
So recovery is the ability to bounce back from damage fast. Toughness is the ability to take more hits before you are damaged. Oof, that's a tricky one. Um, Maybe the recovery one. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so uh, you're going to have uh, inhuman recovery. Cool. Uh, so you can recover from physical harm that would leave a normal person permanently damaged. You can recover totally from any consequences, excluding extreme ones, with no excuse besides time. Simply waiting long enough will eventually heal you completely. Fast recovery out of combat, you may recover from physical consequences as if they were one level lower in severity. So you can recover from moderate consequences as though they were mild, etc. Vigorous uh, endurance never restricts other skills due to lack of rest. You may skip a night's sleep with no effect. Uh, I mean, that just sounds to me like you've you've drinking regular coffee. Um, and then you've got shrug it off in combat. Once per scene, you may clear away a mild physical consequence as a supernatural action. So, yeah. Uh, so, putting human recovery and breath weapon under your sword. Cool. Uh, breath weapon. Um, so, that leaves you with three recovery points. Um, so, we could do another thing. We could give you another another aspect that would drop down your recovery points further. Or we can leave it at that. Um, just to double check, breath weapons minus two, what's the inhuman recovery? I assume minus one. Uh, it's minus two as well, but the sword oh, my... gives you a plus two. So, oh, okay. it, so overall, you're getting a minus one off your off what you've got left. Cool. Um, sword pen. Sword pen was plus two, did you say? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Just making sure. That's all good. Cool. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Cool. Um, I'd say maybe leave those there for the moment. And then maybe use the rest of the points on like the mortal abilities. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so... I think you probably want to keep one or two recovery points. So you probably only want to buy one or two uh, mortal abilities. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So uh, we'll go through these quite quickly. Which areas do you think you're going to want to look at? So it's it's broken up the same way the skills are broken up. So you've got like athletics, uh, alertness, burglary, contact, conviction, and then you've got specific stunts underneath each of those. So which ones do you want to know about? Go with, uh, hmm, maybe law. 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 Uh, occultist, you're an expert on a particular subsection of arcane law. This must be limited, uh, but it's still it can still cover a fair number of things, such as vampires or demons. You gain a plus one to law when researching things covered by your topic. You must also define a deeper specialty within the category, such as red court vampires or hunter-killer demons, to gain an additional plus one. Um, maybe, like, magical items and then Arthurian magical items? Yeah, I feel that would make sense. That kind of goes in line with it. Cool. 
Uh, the other one that you could have would be uh, finely tuned third eye. Your sixth sense, you uh, your sixth sense that can perceive the presence of supernatural ick factor is usually sensitive for a pure mortal. You gain a plus two to your law whenever using your alertness to sub uh, alertness substitute to pick up on the presence of the supernatural. So that's you're better at identifying when something is supernatural. Ooh. I'm thinking maybe the uh, occultist thing, but specialising in the Arthurian yeah. uh, artefacts. That's good, yeah. So that only costs you one. Nice. Um, and then, do you want to look in any of the others? I'll do one more. Um, probably... Hmm. I'm thinking maybe a look into weapons or scholarship. Okay, so scholarship is capable researcher. Some say uh, some say you were born in a library. Any scholarly research you do is completed um, uh, at double speed, due in large part to the fact that you've probably read something about it before. Uh, doctor, specify you have a medical degree or equivalent of such an education. You may use the scholarship skill to declare appropriate justification for the recovery of, uh, of moderate physical consequences when outside a medical facility. Forgery expert, you are trained to distinguish forged documents from real ones. You gain a plus two on any role to spot forgeries or falsified documents. Linguist, you may speak and read additional languages, as if your scholarship score was four higher than it is. Um, scientist, when using uh, scholarship to do scientific research, you gain plus one in a particular area of focus, gain additional plus one in an even more specific area. Hmm. Do any of those appeal? The I feel like capable researcher. Yeah, I feel that one kind of works out with the yeah. with the character we're building anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can we can do that. Uh, I just saw one of the ones that you can get for rapport is just sex appeal. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, just I once just caught my eye in, in stealth. Uh, blend in. You blend into a crowd easily. If there's a crowd to hide in, you gain a plus two to your stealth roll. This is particularly useful when shadowing someone. Ooh. Oh man, it's a tough one. It is. You know what? I think I'm going to go stealth. Yeah, blend in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool, so that leaves you with one refresh point. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anything else we can do to give you a bit of extra refresh points. Um, there isn't, so there you go. Uh, cool. That's fine. Um, so that gets your skills done. Uh, what have we got left to do? Um, so it's skills, got stunts, powers. Uh, so power level and skill cap should be filled in. Skill points spent are five. Total available is one. Your base refresh level is uh, six. Adjust refresh is one. FP from last session. We'll deal with that uh, each session. Um, Consequences, you won't have picked up any. 
so I think we just need to work out your stress levels, uh, which I know are always high. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For the sake of my sheet, what do you have down for power level and skill cap? Uh, skill cap was... is great. Uh, cool. Power level, I will get you because it's on the page. The page I'm looking for right now. Cool. Um, that was the. Uh... Water reference thing, wasn't it? The uh, yeah. fish out of water or whatever it was. Not quite <laughs> that, but yeah. Not that, but something like that. <laughs> something involving fish or water. Uh, it's feet in the water. That was it. Uh, okay, determine your final refresh level and your stress and consequences. So that is page 68, and then we will be done. Do, do, do. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, so, we are still selected to determine your final refresh level. Your starting refresh is determined by the GM between 6 and 10. It's reduced by stunts and powers taken. We've done that. Once you have your final refresh level, take a fate point for each point of final refresh. Finally, you should calculate your character's stress tra tracks and determine... How many consequence slots they start with? All characters have a physical, social, and mental stress tra track. See characters that also have a hunger stress. Uh, yeah, you're not a vampire, so that's fine. Um, the endurance skill. Uh, have you got endurance skill? Uh, endurance, yes. What level? Blah, 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 blah. Endurance. Uh, fair. So plus two. Uh, so that's going to be that you get three boxes total. Uh, so you want to fill in on the, on the physical uh, stress track. Fill in yeah. four, five, six, seven, and eight. Four, five, six, seven, and eight. Okay. Do you have conviction? I do not. Um... So you're just going to uh, fill in three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. I have no idea what these mean. That's okay. You don't need to right now. Do you <laughs> cool. have presents? No, but I would like some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then you're going to want to fill in three, four, five, six, seven, and eight as well for that. Awesome. Okay. Uh. By default, each stretch track has two boxes. Yep. Uh, so you add additional boxes. Each character has one mild, moderate, and severe consequence by default. You can take these in response to any kind of attack, physical, mental, or social. That's what any means on the sheet. Superb skills, certain stunts, certain powers give you additional consequence slots, but only for a specific kind of attack, physical, or mental, or social. If you have a skill, power, or stunt that does this, make sure you write them down. The type of consequence you get on your character sheet. Um, conclusion. At the end of character creation, each player should have a complete character with a summary of their early history, a summary of their rise to power, their first story, seven aspects, one for the high concept, one for the trouble, and one for each of the five phases. Number of skills, depending on the number of skill points, ranging from the upper single digits into the teens in quantity. 
uh, mortal stunts and or supernatural powers based on final refresh, face po uh, fate points based on the final refresh level. Whew! Alrighty. I think we are done, Rob. Nice. Um, so that is uh, character creation for our main character, uh, John Graham, uh, arch nemesis uh, to Tim Spencer. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else that you wanted to, to do with um, John? Uh, no, not at the moment. Uh, I'm actually pretty excited now that we've gone through yeah. that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Character creation always gets always gets the hype going. Um, okay, in which case, um, yeah, I think we uh, should we call it there. Yeah, probably best. And then I I assume the next session of this will be actually doing the game. Uh, so the next session we will do the we'll do the city um, okay uh, details for Winchester uh, I don't think that will take too long um, yeah and then we will see about timings um, if it doesn't take long at all then we might start the game if it takes long enough to be an episode in itself then we'll do that and then we'll do the game awesome sounds good brilliant all right um yeah rob do you want to take us out uh yeah uh thank you for listening to the rpg bonus episode i can't remember what you called it pat uh paranet quest yeah you've been listening to paranet quest with your hosts rob davis and patrick lung and we will see you next time for some exciting shit goodbye uh Happy questing.